0: i wanted to interrupt you in, as you interrupt me. Yeah. I can have some of that right now. Holy honey bun. Holy we honey bun. We are excited to be back to it. Three episodes in a row talking about honey buns. Three in a row. That is impressive. Not as impressive as our quote unquote guest today. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, we have a guest, but not a guest. Why am I a so,
1: quote unquote on? guest?
0: I feel like. Well, I feel like you're always on the podcast. So, I don't know if you're. Can yeah. you be a
1: guest? It can't in your be own a guest in your own
0: house. Yeah, yeah, we're
2: definitely not grilling the guests. I do feel like today should start with Once Upon a Time.
0: In a long time ago.
2: In a long time ago. <laughs> So we're following suit. Uh, we had to let Hunter go first because, well, his ego is very fragile. So, it's like he he
0: came in the door and said, "I am going. To- I'm telling my baseball story today."
2: <laughs> that was, you know, Chris is just not that guy. He's like I was sure, you got- so
1: good at soccer, so good at baseball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody at anything. <laughs>
1: That's
2: right. Yeah. Uh, so we're switching uh, gears a little bit this episode in that we're hearing the backstory of Chris Allen. Which is uh, going to be fascinating for a lot of people because everyone knows when you're training with Chris, it's mostly about you. Which is why I love this place so
1: much because,
0: yeah, you know, it's mostly about me.
1: It's what Chase loves too. Yeah, yes. That's what <laughs> Chase loves about it. So the reason
0: so. I keep coming back yeah. is because <laughs> Chris says I'm worth something. How long is this joke going to go? As long as you keep it quiet. Maybe we should establish
2: how many episodes we have to mention a honey bun to establish a PR. At least, I think I'm going to shoot for at least ten.
0: That, you know, Any time we say it's adding another rep to the PR. So exactly. we should set it as high as we can. And
2: you know who could keep like an Excel sheet of that? Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, absolutely. Hunter. <laughs> and eventually, he could write a book called How to Eat a Honey Bun." How to Eat a Honey you know, That's what's going to happen next. So. But enough about Hunter. Good grief. Yeah.
0: I'm Maybe. tired of the guy now that he's not here <laughs> this episode. To
2: beat me up for saying so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to learn a little bit about Chris Allen and... Uh, Interestingly enough, has some different sports experience uh, from Hunter because Hunter was very careful to not share the story, but he got absolutely mauled in practice at football <laughs> one day. That was kind of the end of his football
0: career, as Chris, most people
2: do. Yeah, Chris has has a very different story. So, welcome to the Cody Podcast, Chris.
1: Hey, glad to be here. Hey,
2: glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's. Start- I've heard
1: a lot about you guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's start here. Uh, I'm interested in how Chris Allen got involved in sports. Uh, do you have the quintessential, typical kid story, uh, like most people, or it, was your track different?
1: Mine was probably uh, a little different than um, than Hunter's in that uh, I did I definitely did not play sports year round early on, like uh, like he did. I spent a Definitely a, a lot more time uh, outside just you know, being uh, being in the neighborhood with uh, with my friends, you know running around doing just doing kids stuff and having a and um, You know, so you know, we were definitely still like in the neighborhood still playing football still playing baseball and doing uh, doing all that kind of stuff But uh, no, I wasn't involved with you know Organized teams as often as hunter probably was so that's a little bit different. I started off though playing uh, playing baseball and uh, that was uh, that was the only sport that I did. I never really got involved much in um, in soccer or anything like that. But uh, played a lot of baseball up until probably I think it was sixth grade was my last year to play. And um, in fifth grade, uh, fifth grade was when I first started playing uh, playing football, and it was done from there. That was all I wanted to do. That was all that I thought about. And um, stuck with uh, stuck with football all the way through high school. Ran. Um, uh ran track in high school too but um oh
0: what event
1: uh did um all the uh all the short stuff 800 and under wait yeah. 800 is short uh, no, not while you're running it. <laughs> on a, for, on a, if you want to talk about international basis, yes. <laughs> for for high, for high school, I guess you could consider that medium range. <laughs> eight hundred,
0: that's like a named workout. Eating that, the, eating that cafeteria pizza than running an eight hundred is. Uh, oh man, no, small
1: feat. M- no miserable, <laughs> miserable. But uh, so, so yeah, I got uh, I got involved uh, with uh, with football, start playing uh, start playing in fifth grade, and um, yeah, that was immediately. All that, uh, all that I wanted to do. Um, so, it, what was it about football that
2: just captured you,
1: man? I, I don't know. You know, probably the, uh, the typical just um, meathead answer of probably, yeah, smacking in the other uh, dudes yeah, in the yeah. Honestly, you know, kind of the, uh, the, the gla- the gladiator feel to it, and um, you know, I was never a. Uh, uh, was never the uh, was never the biggest guy of my class and things like or anything like that, but it gave me it gave me a chance to really kind of go toe to toe with these guys because I had a uh, an aggressive streak and um, just uh, it was it was an opportunity. Like in in social situations, I was kind of a uh, kind of a shy kid, and this was an opportunity. to know, hey, I can go run into these people and I'm not going to get in trouble for it. I can basically commit I can basically commit commit assault and not have to go to not have to talk to the cops.
2: Uh, that's how most sixth graders are thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, yeah. 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 You, yeah. You get that testosterone flowing through you and you know, crazy yeah. things start happening. That's what I hear. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I hear.
2: so you start experiencing a little bit of uh, of success, which I know this is not you know this is actually probably a pretty uncomfortable way to discuss your story but you start to experience some success as a young athlete right and uh, so was was your track mathematical that just happened to go that way more relaxed what was it for you
1: no it was more uh, like once uh, once i got into um once i got into junior high was when i really just started you know committing to uh, to learning the sport and um you know, uh, committing to uh, committing to training. I really didn't enjoy training that much. Um, kind of like uh, kind of like Hunter. I didn't really like it that much until I actually started seeing the gains from it. So it was probably like uh, later on in junior high, like ninth grade, you just started to see the traps start to raise up a little bit, shoulders start to widen, and uh, I was like, okay. I think I kind of like you know moving these weights around a little bit, but uh, I was uh, I was a- always doing uh, doing something involving uh, involving football. I had. Uh, you know, I would go. Uh, I'd go like to, to the video stores and buy. Uh, I had a I had a documentary on Walter Payton and um, would uh, had like a video of the top ten running backs of all time and um, the uh, the top ten toughest players in NFL history. I just watched them constantly, constantly. there and if there was a game on, didn't matter who it was playing, I was watching the game. And um, when I would uh, when I would sit around and watch, I always had a I always had a football in my hand, and I had these different things uh, that I would do where. Uh, I would um like sit on the edge uh, sit on the edge of a couch and I would grab the football by the uh, by the tip and I would try to switch hands just grabbing uh, the tip of the football and I would also work on work on palming it to where I was uh, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time but I was strengthening my hands and what ended up being uh, what got me to uh, to college what uh, got me the opportunity to play football in college was because I had good hands I could uh, that was my best my best attribute as a football player was being able to uh to catch the football so went through high school got a uh got a scholarship to go to uh to go to bellhaven and uh and start and played uh played wide uh played wide receiver there and um when uh, when i got there i was probably uh, I was not the most naturally gifted uh, player there in terms of like I mean I never had the uh, the fastest uh, forty time, but I was a I was a technician with what I did. I wanted to uh, uh, know um, I wanted to do the things that nobody else was willing to do. I wanted to catch the slants. I wanted to be I was going to be uh, uh, be a great uh, be a great blocker, be a great route runner. You know things, crack huh? Crack blocks. Crack blocks. Loved them. Loved them. It was that aggressive streak? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Blindside every linebacker I could put my
1: hand on. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and then um, when uh, when I got to uh, when I got to college, the uh, uh, one of the fir- the first coach uh, the first coaches that I met was our uh, strength coach. Uh, his name was uh, his name was Bo Sandoval, and he was uh, an incredible coach. He had the uh, he probably um, had the biggest uh, the biggest influence on me. As far as uh, from a from a coaching perspective, as far as somebody who uh, you know, I was not the star player on the team, but he saw potential in me. He uh, he invested time in me and, and showed me you know if you if you want to get better, here's the uh, here's the way to do it. And me, he was he was incredible. I could go on and on about him. He's uh, he uh, left Bellhaven, and within a few years, he was at the University of Michigan. Uh, and eventually became he was the uh, the number two uh, the number two strength coach like the the associate director of strength conditioning at the University of Michigan he is now the director of athletic performance at the uh, UFC headquarters in Las Vegas so he's uh, he's done uh, he's done big things and um, uh, he really kind of he was the first person that ever introduced me to the Olympic uh, Olympic style lifting cleans jerks snatches and things like that he I, he also showed me. Um, the first ever CrossFit video that I saw, it was kind of just getting out there on the uh, on the internet a little bit, especially out here in this part of uh, this part of the country, and um, it was the uh, it was the original uh, Nasty Girl video with uh, Andy Sakamoto, Nicole Carroll, and I forgot the uh, I forgot the uh, the third girl, but she was like a. Uh, uh, an olympic uh an olympic level uh cross-country skier or something like that and they were doing uh, air squats power cleans and muscle ups and i just kind of saw it in passing and i was like huh that looks pretty cool but because girls are doing muscle ups and i know i can't do that i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna pocket that <laughs> maybe yeah maybe uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe um oh and they were strict too, man. It was on low rings, like picking their knees off the floor and just strict muscle ups the whole way. It was nice. insane. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, it was probably probably around my third year at uh, Bellhaven. A uh, friend of mine that I had played with, he was now a GA coach. He uh, he started doing uh, doing CrossFit during uh, during his spare time. He had seen some videos too, and during the uh, during the summer. I'd go up there and I'd do it with them. So I had done some CrossFit workouts, like, and we would basically just run down the name workouts and just pick one and do it. We wouldn't like make up our own or anything oh my gosh, like that. Those oh, are all dude, terrible. man, yeah, I mean, they so, <laughs> so bad, um, and, uh, so bad. And so, so they started. Uh, they started doing that. They essentially kind of started what was really a club. I mean, it. We could have gotten and so. Yeah, well, I mean, we could have gotten in so much trouble because we had T-shirts made that said CrossFit on it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, before people, I guess, were on the lookout for that kind of thing. But uh, so we, um, we messed around with it a few times there during, uh, during the summer, and I kind of left it alone for probably probably a year or so. He had uh, Jared, the guy that started doing it, he had moved, uh, he had moved away, and I just kind of went back to doing the, uh, doing the same old thing and um, uh, I, was at a, uh, I was at a concert, downtown actually, and um, I ran into a guy who was the assistant strength coach when Coach Sandoval was at Bellhaven, his name was Josh Parks, and a guy that I went to high school with, his name was Clovis, and um, they, uh, I ran into both of them at a concert and they said that they had opened a CrossFit gym and they wanted me to come uh, come check it out, and this was right, uh, right, after, I had finished, uh, right after I had finished playing so I was looking for something to do, and so I go, uh, I go meet up with them at their uh, at their gym. It was in a little warehouse right over near uh, near County Line Road, and instantly fell in love with it. I was like, okay, found something that uh, that's at least fun, that uh, that's going to uh, keep me in shape. Really didn't have any aspirations of trying to compete in it or uh, or anything like that. I just wanted I just wanted something to do because now the next. Uh, now that I was done playing football, the next step is, you know, how am I, how am I going to get ripped and jacked? <laughs> and I was like, this scene... What seems, were
0: you trying to do?
1: After football? Yeah. Get ripped and jacked.
0: No, like <laughs> yes. in the same kind of routines that you were doing?
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I was uh, just doing um, the same stuff that I was doing in football. Power clean, bench, squat, and go home. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and uh, so, um, so I went into... Uh, I went into CrossFit with a little bit of a different base, and that I was probably I had been working out. I probably had more time under a bar than than Hunter did, because they started they started working us out in the weight room in probably sixth grade, and so learning how, learning how to squat not probably not teaching us very well, yeah, but uh, but so I spent a lot of time in the weight room and in, uh, in junior high and high school, and so by the time I'd gotten to Bellhaven, my my thing was I was always in our position group with the wide receivers, I was always the strongest or if not one of the top three strongest in each lift. Cause I had just been doing it for so long. So I had a really, I knew my way, I knew my way around the barbell. I knew my way around uh, the different lifts and um, that gave me a little bit of an advantage when I first started, but also the fact that, uh, um, my, uh, my best operating energy system was, you know, pedal to the metal, really fast, really high intensity, which was kind of what CrossFit really was back then. Everything was relatively short, you know, twelve to fifteen minutes was the long workouts and twenty minutes was a really long workouts so that nobody ever wanted to do. Day, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. To
2: run 800.
1: <laughs> exactly. So workouts like uh, workouts like Fran and things like that, those really resonated with me. I mean that's where I operated best. And um, so, uh, I got uh, As I kind of started getting into it a little bit more, I, I uh, met Hunter probably a month after I had started uh, doing CrossFit there at um, uh, at Mississippi CrossFit was the uh, was the name of the gym. And now I kind of had you know somebody to kind of go uh, go back and forth with there. I wasn't nearly as dedicated as Hunter was <laughs> in the uh, in the early on. So it did not take long for Hunter to. Surpass and then just go on about its way. At the time, I was still uh, you know living the uh, living the college boy lifestyle. I was still you know partying and eating what uh, whatever I wanted to, and uh, so so very very minimal gains outside of what I, the base I had already built going in.
2: So one thing that I heard that's got me pretty curious. I'd like to hear more about is around here you're kind of known as a technician. You know, I, I think two things that you're known for, and that's investing in other people's fitness journey as if it's your own you know? yeah and then uh being that technician especially with those olympic lifts being able to take a person no matter where they are and in 10 to 15 minutes they're much better you know it sounds like a lot of that happened through that personal investment of that strength coach uh when you were in college and you kind of continue continue that you know um so talk a little bit more about what it was like for you to experience that success as that guy is investing in you, you start to get better, get stronger. You know, there's obviously, you have obviously a love for uh, barbell movement. I mean, that's yeah. really apparent. That seems like the way you're describing it, although I want to hear more about it, the way that that, that love uh,
1: started to grow. You know? Yeah, well, I think um, he's the first one who kind of, Made made a point to uh, to show me to show me the value uh, the value in hard work because I was like I said I was not the most naturally talented but uh, but I could make up for it by uh, by being the hardest working uh, hardest working guy in the room. Um, uh, I remember uh, you know um, go uh, going out um, to the uh, to the field during the uh, during the summer we would do our big conditioning days on uh, on Tuesdays and Friday mornings. And they were brutal, man. Like everything, <clears throat> everything was timed. You had to make you had to make these times, or you know there wasn't making it up at the end of a at the end of the session. If you didn't make your time on one of the runs, you were right back up to the line, and you're not just you, your whole group went again. So if you didn't, uh, not only do you have to go, but you're gonna make you know all of your peers go again too, and they know it's your fault because he was gonna call you out and let you know about it. Mm. But. Uh, what I would do was there was a there was a guy who was there every summer who was a two-time All-American wide receiver. Guy was an absolute freak and a really hard worker. And um, I knew on these runs, I would stay right beside him, and I would just kind of keep my head down and run. And I knew that if I could stay within three steps, so if I'm looking down, you know, towards the ground, and I could see his feet in front of me, I knew if I could just keep his feet in my sight that I was going to make my times every time. It didn't matter. And so it was just learning to kind of shut off, take it a rep at a time and put it in uh, and put in the work. And, um, uh, he, uh, we got, we got praise for our hard work. I mean, he would let you know if you, uh, you know, if you screwed up, you, you, uh, you and everybody else on the team was going to know, but he also praised the people that, uh, that worked hard too. He had a, uh, he would have a board up on, uh, up in the uh, up in the weight room where he had he would rank the top three uh, the top three uh, pound for pound strongest players in each position group so you would get on the wide receiver board and you could see yourself go up and down through uh, throughout the week and he was a very just just so passionate like this guy to kind of paint a picture he was a uh, Smaller guy, kind of like me, but he, uh, you know, did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and was uh, just—he um, was a—he was a man's man, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And uh, uh, I'll tell you a quick story about about him. We we're in the weight room one time, and there was a there was a guy, uh, one of our other players, just mouthing off to him, you know, not wanting to do, uh, not wanting to do the reps or what, whatever it was, or not wanting to do what uh, what the coach was asking him to do. And all I saw was him take him uh, like hook his arm, put his hand uh, underneath, uh, underneath his chin, walk him into the, uh, basically pick him up, walk him into the other room and everybody's just silent, you know, kind of wondering what just happened. Three minutes later they walk back in, this guy's doing his reps, he's not <laughs> saying anything. So I don't know, uh, I don't know what happened uh, at that point, but he was, I looked at him as somebody, you know, that could, that commanded respect, but was also in a way in a way, very uh, very vulnerable because of how passionate uh, he was, and he would get when he was when he would talk to us about hard work and things like that. He would get very uh, very passionate and emotional at times, and um, so that really resonated with me because that's just kind of my uh, my personality, and um, and I was just always like, man, you know, I want to be, I want to be like this guy. Yeah. You know, so th- now,
2: like bringing up to to current, you know, you've got these two definitive things that your story is kind of hinged on now you have the opportunity to put both of those together and impact other people so my main curiosity just like with with hunter story is if you put all this together what does it result in as an emphasis for you as a crossfit coach you know um how does that work its way out for the people that are listening the people who are part of the coyote culture you know those things in your personal story that you're bringing
1: yeah i think uh just having the uh having the experience that uh, that nothing worthwhile is easy and um yeah in uh in Mac except exi- for easy Mac except, yeah. for, except for easy Mac yeah, yeah. That, that is true that's always the one exception yeah <laughs>
0: always <laughs> sorry
1: no that's really good that's really good um so uh so yeah just because um, I know that I know that for me just like all of those all of those sprints that we did during the summer it was a uh, it was a crucible that I had to uh, that I felt like I had to pass and nothing built built more confidence in me as a player than you know it was it was something you know the uh, the odds were the odds were were stacked against me because I was not the fastest guy out there. I had to be willing to, when it got bad, when it started to hurt, I needed to be the one that was willing to push. And that was what's going to put me ahead of, uh, ahead of everybody else. And, um, there is, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of value in that outside of just the immediate results of trying to, uh, you know, have a, uh, have a higher bench press or being able to, uh, uh being able to catch uh catch the touchdown pass or whatever it's it's it puts a mindset in you that if you can um if you if you can be tough here if you can uh, if you can be comfortable with being uncomfortable it's going to it's going to carry over to everything uh, to everything else in life and so that that's what I kind of find what I kind of found in crossfit was every day it was another crucible where here's a challenge how are you going to react and that's something that I think is really undervalued in our lives because we've got so many things going on when you uh, when you uh, start uh, start growing up and you get you have kids you have you have uh, jobs and you just kind of people kind of get to this point to where I don't need to challenge myself anymore because I'm being challenged by life in general yeah and um,
2: I can see that in, in your story and in your coaching style also that you know you're one of those coaches that Athletes, which everybody who's a part of this ecosystem is an athlete. You're one of those coaches that the athletes here don't want to disappoint, you know, and I, I've learned about you over the years that uh, you're not that you're like throwing your clipboard up in the air walking out, you know, but I think the thing that I've seen that, that the ways that I frustrate you at least It's not that if my score is less than the other person or if I have to scale the movement because I run up against some limitation It's if I lose the fight, you know, if I'm like, I get to that point where I'm not comfortable being uncomfortable and you see me give up, you know, and so that's what's kind of translated across all of us that are here, that are working out. We're starting to hold each other accountable for that in different ways. No matter where we are, you know, we're seeing each other as not the the fastest running back on the team, but we're looking at each other saying, man, you gave up. That's what I got to hold you accountable for. Not that you didn't hit the, the PR and you're clean and jerk, but I saw you give up on the assault bike just because it's hard, you know, so I definitely see that as a as a huge influence. And the other piece, I think, just that personal investment, you know, it feels like the term for you wasn't this, I, I was a collegiate athlete, you know, and I experienced success that other guys in my high school didn't have and all that. Um, it feels like that personal investment really just put a stamp on you. And it, it, unless I'm wrong, you know, maybe you could build this out a little bit. You bring a lot of that personal side to what's going on here.
1: Yeah, it, it probably didn't really shift until until later on because I was uh, I was very I was absolutely very me driven coming out of a uh, uh, coming out of college, you know, wanting to be uh, wanting to be a successful and I I wanted to be a great you know football coach or strength coach and just uh, was too young and um, young and naive to believe that. Uh, um, that uh that coaches uh that coaches or that that players are great because of their coaches they're usually great in spite of their coaches <laughs> and um <clears throat> but um i'm not sure when i'm not sure when exactly the uh, the shift happened it was probably you know just something that happened over over the course of you know being around so many different people and seeing uh, you know seeing the the struggles that they that they go through or that they go through day to day and um uh, at uh, at some point, it definitely uh, it definitely shifted where I was getting more excited to see other people uh, to be to see other people succeed more than uh, more than myself, and um, that I think was where uh, where I truly uh, where I truly became a coach. I've heard coaches say like if you still get upset because uh, um, because one of your clients beat your time in the workout, you know you probably need to check yourself. <laughs>
2: mm, man, so this leads me to kind of my last question you know uh same as i would have asked of hunter if, if you could put some sort of like mission or sentence or paragraph around what it is that you want to make sure that you're bringing to the coyote um culture mm-hmm. what would it be you
1: know? romans 5 3 and 4 and that is um it says uh, uh we uh, we know this um, not or uh, not only this, but we rejoice in our suffering because suffering leads to endurance. Endurance leads to character, and character leads to hope. So that kind of goes back to the whole, you know, facing, learning, uh, doing these workouts, learning to face life and all of its challenges, standing up, looking it in the eye, you know, presenting a presenting a posture that says you are re- ready and willing to take on what life is getting ready to throw at you, and um, that is to me. What the why? To me, what the why represents, and what what I really want people to practice with that is to uh, to go into with the mindset of it, it. What goes on the board doesn't matter. What what matters is um, is uh, the effort and how you and how you went about the workout.
0: Perfect.
2: So Chase, uh, Chase is ready to go. You're ready right now. My story? No. Uh, no, a <laughs> lot Even worse. <laughs> Yeah, even worse. (laughs) So now we transition to uh, the next part of the episode, which is uh, I think growing like a cult following.
0: Yeah, kind of like other things that Fight Club. Cult following. (laughs) It's just Uh, like uh, Fight Club. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So
2: I, you know, I think we should let Hunter have this transition because now you know. Is he in
0: here now? Yeah, he's
2: back. I'm back, baby. Yeah, I've just really missed this falsetto. Outside the box. Nailed it! Wow, nailed and it! And we're back. I mean, it is the OG outside the box, right now. <laughs> so, uh, so what do we have as a topic for outside the box? How do you top Oreos
1: with Mega Stuff Oreos <laughs> <laughs> together
2: and peanut butter?
1: Which I asked, I asked Chase, what do you, what is it called when you take two Mega Stuffs and put it and put them together? He responded, type two. <laughs> that was very funny. true. Very all true. right, so, so. I'm tired
0: of all this. Talking around the issues. Because there are issues. Let's take them head on. We're, we're done talking about the Oreos. We're done talking about the honey buns. Those are things that we like and we can agree on, Just at least filler. mildly. See what I did there? Just filler. Yeah. Type 2 diabetes filler. Filler. I want to talk about the things that upset us. Okay. And I'm happy to go first. Because you feel like it upsets other people? Or... Uh, no, th- mine. Uh, well, it may, but I don't know the people other than my wife. But I feel like you guys would agree with me if you experienced what I experienced. Okay. Is that a is that vague enough so to we're get you just, intrigued? we're just looking to rile as many people up as possible. Or at least start a mob. Got it. Yeah. I'm in. So we each get three minutes. I'll keep the timer. Okay. When you hear the doorbell, which is the uh, thing I have set up to go off currently, uh, you need to shut the heck up. <laughs> well, yeah, three minute not, rant. Sounds right. good. No holds barred. But you can, you don't have to use the whole thing. Can, can we you? jump in
2: in your three minute rant and say we agree and all that?
0: You Maybe we start. should, when I say I'm done, is when then you have freedom to come okay. in and say all right. yes or no. All right. or I just want to obey the rules. Three, two, one, go. I recently went to Los Angeles, California with my formerly betrothed, now wedded wife. And we're walking about the hipster hipsterville of one of the cities called Fullerton. And we're walking along, and suddenly this dog approaches on a leash. Their owner has them in tote, right? And we're walking with a couple of her uh, former missionary friends that we were staying with at the time. And uh, I go to pet the dog, and the, girl, the wife says, oh, you don't want to do that. And I was like this. You know something about this dog that I don't. Like is it rabid? And she's <laughs> sparing me. She says, "You don't really get to pet the dogs around here. Dogs What's... walking on leashes in public. People don't let you pet the dog. I
1: is that like a was it a city ordinance or no?
0: It's the the <laughs> befuddling attitude that these." Westerners have with their Westerners. adorable animals that <laughs> I mean, it, out in public. I mean, Ben, you laugh, but it would not shock me.
2: <laughs> I just saw the reflective sign, like, do not pet dogs. Yeah. Seriously,
0: like, I said, is this, like, a thing with all dogs around here? And she was like, I mean, you can ask, but you don't just pet the dog. And I'm like, what kind of backward society Don't assume
1: it? you can pet my dog.
0: Yeah. Well, why would you not? You know? I like, well, to be fair, maybe I'm skewed because here in Mississippi, if there's a dog about, it does I don't care if the Secret Service is walking it. You can pet that dog. Mm. It's just, it's just what happens. It's right?
1: impolite, nice too, in most cases. Yeah,
0: you you are obligated to pet my dog. <laughs> it's starting to sound like a euphemism, but it's not. Literally, <laughs> you should pet my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Am I crazy here? Was this warranted? What? No, that's I, that's terrible. That's yeah. ridiculous. I, that sounds like, like a sad when,
2: life. I know, but you, the, the passion you have about it makes me feel like you think it's leading to worse things.
0: It sounds it's a, like society is reg- is regressing. No, the, the, is
1: no the, this is. A, like. I think this is a symptom of what's going on out there. <laughs> there are deeper
0: life. I yes, there are tumors in society, and what's showing that there's underlying problems is that I can't pet your deck on dog.
2: So in the last 40 seconds, where is this taking us? Where is it taking the West?
0: Hopefully an earthquake that makes it fall off. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, you're in big trouble. <laughs> it's not my podcast and I won't say things like that. I apologize publicly for
3: In contrast, <laughs> in Charlotte Airport, there's dogs everywhere. Exactly. And they, want, and they have dogs that they, it yes. says, please pet me. Yes. East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're all on the same page. Yeah. So are you going back? We we go back. Well, start? I'll go He'll... back because I had some really good coffee out there and there was <laughs> a, a lot of really good food. But, uh...
1: Those hipsters really know the way around coffee. Oh.
0: All right,
2: ran over. That's ran over. So, the, the, not being able to pet an animal,
0: dogs specifically, you're like that. That's where I. Oh, draw I could give two. leaps cool. about your cat. If There's a dog that you're walking. The yeah. dog's walking the means. Like oh, we can all agree a cat is just not a dog. It's just an animal you wish was a dog.
2: Yeah, that's all they'll ever be. So I'm yeah. intrigued. I didn't know this about the West Coast. I you didn't either. You can't pet animals. And that the the societal pressure was so heavy that you were informed not to make that Yeah, like. Paw.
1: Exactly. Yes. She,
0: knew, she found it worth it to tell me that I shouldn't reach out and touch the dog. You'll really show that you, you were raised in Mississippi if you actually pet this dog. Yeah, because I hadn't spoken yet, so they didn't hear.
3: Yeah. You don't know. Your dog might want me to pet it. Yeah. yeah. Dog, this is the hug your dog needs.
0: I'm
3: about to save your dog's life
0: in this sad city.
3: Yeah.
0: Smog-filled
2: city. I can just see you, man, walking off after that experience, just shaking your head like, I don't know what to do with that. I probably
3: had
0: a major face, uh, chase face on. Yeah, know, chase, chase, Resting chase face, wrestling chase face. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll go next because yours seems so like heroic and for the overall good of society. I- I'm gonna seem like a real.
0: That's kind of the what what the I actually punch probably what I actually on. am, you know, in real life
2: <laughs> with my friends. So uh, this is this is what really gets me. You gotta start the timer. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Yeah,
0: we're Ready? not counting down.
2: Okay. So this happens to me on actually a regular basis and is, and has become a reason why my family will stay in the car on many occasions.
0: When, okay.
2: Okay. So let me, I'm just building this up. So everyone knows that you, you work hard for the money, right? So you better treat it right. You, Most of us, yes. Yes. You, you work hard for the money that you have. And when you decide you're going to take some of that money and exchange it for a good or a service, the tension's pretty high right because you're taking all of that hard work into this decision Mm. a little bit of what softened this is being able to purchase uh goods online and to take a lot of time and to read reviews and not talk to
0: anyone while you do this is
2: the key there's less human interaction Mm. okay but i'm a real like be with people relational guy and sometimes i get that maybe it's a west coast bug but sometimes i'm like hey buy local you know I understand there's probably a better product somewhere on the planet and they can get it to me in two days. But I know that there's someone who's opened up a shop uh, locally. Mom or Pop? Yeah, I'm gonna drive. And sometimes I even take my children to experience this. Like, hey, this is what it used to be like in in the Wild West. We would go into a store (laughs) and buy a product, right? So I'm going in and it really doesn't matter whether I'm getting, let's say, a 99 cent little cardboard thing of chicken nuggets or I'm going to buy a $200 pair of shoes to go to work in. None of that matters to me. It's just the fact that my money is making the exchange. Yes. Okay. So hopefully I'm building the, the uh, tension here. A minute 20. In this story, 11. trust me, I'm a pro at this. Okay. So what happens is I get into this situation and there's usually a person on the other side of a counter who has been obviously trained to be in this particular scenario. Here's how you sell chicken nuggets. Here's how you sell shoes. Here's how you sell a suit. Here's how you sell anything. They've been trained to do that. And I have chosen to drive past 19 other places to get to this place Keep to buy them. your chicken nuggets. Yes. So I'm here to purchase things. I've got my son with me. We're going to teach him things about life. And they speak to me, are you ready for it, in a disrespectful tone. Blasphemy. I can't handle it. I just can't handle it. So most people I think of a normal stripe if if they get they feel like they're being ignored or you know mistreated verbally in this exchange, not appreciated for making this decision, they just disengage or they just get the product and, and walk out. I make a case about it. I bring it up, I'm like, hey, is there something I've done to offend you? Or is there <laughs> someone else who would actually appreciate taking my money today? And that's why my wife and kids now just stay in the car. You're making a federal case. I just—it's a muscle. I can't help but actually—I have to do this. You must be corrected. You must respect your customer. It just drives me crazy. I just can't handle it. Uh,
1: I, Impeccable timing though,
0: to start off with.
1: I just had—I just had this vision of uh, Ben being dragged out of a hardware store like Randy from South Park. <laughs> I thought this is
0: America.
2: <laughs> That's totally, totally me. I can't handle it. I've seen it in person. Before. Oh, many people have many it, people have Tim Bell had to drag me out of Lowe's one day awesome he had to that's drag essentially me. what you just described I, yeah, feel like he had to dra- I returned a carpet cleaning machine and uh, she'd asked me if I cleaned it had been a long day she'd asked me if I cleaned it and she was really really disrespectful about it and I was like I'm, I'm pay- I paid for the anyway it's a long story that just happens repeatedly I think it's learned behavior uh, but I, I just can't stop it in, in fact there are places that I don't visit at all ever Because I know that's what's going to happen there.
0: The first level of this, when I notice it's coming, is one of your favorite phrases to use when you're upset in these situations is, hey man, is there a problem? (laughs) And I know.
3: Uh Uh-oh. There we go. You go back to
0: the car. (laughs) Hey, open, Unlock the door. (laughs) Please let me back in.
3: I got a quick sidebar to this story. Just remind me of something that happened in college. This guy that I know, he went to Wendy's, drive-thru, ordered a burger, Went home, got his burger out, was not satisfied with the quality of his burger, of how it was made. Whoa. Drives back to Wendy's, walks up to the counter, walks inside, walks to the counter, slams the burger down on the counter, and said, I want to speak to the person who made this burger. (laughs) I like this gal already. And we can be friends. So, sure enough, you know, like this high school kid walks out there, like, yeah. He goes, Did you make this burger? yeah I made it he said look man I know you work at, at Wendy's you probably don't care a lot about this job but have some respect for what you do have some respect for your craft that's I don't great want great my phrase. money back I don't want another burger I just want you to have a little bit more respect and pride in your work and he walked out
1: I love this I burger. <laughs>
3: that's
2: another one of those great phrases like Look, man. That's what it's Look, like. man. The, the temperature's going
1: up. Scenario. Look, Look man. buddy. It's, that's what I'm that's more. Like, I'm more out. interested in what happened that day
3: that led up to <laughs> to, to the fuse blowing. There's a lot. There's, like, a, there's a lot. More somebody's backstory. gonna get a piece of me today. There's a lot more backstory to that, but uh, yeah, it, you can really escalate the situation if you call somebody chief.
2: I do that a lot, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, man. man. Somebody
3: calls me chief, chief. Is about chief. to go down. <laughs> Look, I know there's probably the chief There
2: are probably pictures of me all over this town, the retail establishment. It, like, behind do not them. let
3: this man in. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
2: with the little mustache, probably chief. They probably call me chief if I were I'm I'm not sure. Your... <laughs> corresponds to
3: chief. <laughs> 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 all right, so that's mine. Much less noble than yours. What, what was that, that show that? they were like? Two guys going back and forth. I'm not your buddy, guy. And the guy's like, I'm not, I'm your, not your guy, guy buddy. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your guy,
2: friend. Yeah, I'm totally an escalator of situations that should not escalate. Mm. It's, just, it's what I do.
3: There you go. Cool. Top that. Boom. My turn? Whoever. Sure, go this ahead. This is just great. Uh, Three, two, one, go. Okay. So mine is with you know owning a business, my email, my phone number's out there for...
0: The world. The The world, world. literally. We get
3: a lot of emails, calls, you know, people trying to sell something. It really makes me angry when people get angry if I don't reply to them. And they get offended. I am not, I don't think anybody is under any obligation to ever respond to a message. Like if somebody sends you a message, I'm not required to respond to your message just because you sent me one that doesn't mean that that that's i'm trying to think of how to phrase this correctly but you are assuming and taking the power that you have the power to send me something and i'm required to send you something back if that makes sense yeah i got the other day i got an email from a guy and then i got a missed call and you know how iphones can like It'll say maybe so and so because they, they they got it out of your email. Well, he had just sent me an email. Then he calls me, leaves me a voicemail. Then he sends me a text message. Said, "Is this Hunter?" And it was he, uh, some guy from some company trying to call, trying to you know sell me something.
0: That's Tim.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's I'm just like, about selling those corn. Nuggets. The audacity of this guy, <laughs> like email, call, text, like getting mad that I'm not responding to him, and then. The whole texting marketing—I know people are saying it's about to blow up. I cannot stand it. If somebody texts me, like trying to sell me something, there's for sure a thing I'm not buying that you're thing. Dead yeah. To me. Oh yeah, you're de- you're you dead. To me. You're done with- you? Oh, worse, way worse. Wow. To me, I'm offended by it if I get a text. If I-, I get calls all day long from random numbers that they leave me voicemails, I'm just like whatever. I'm not calling you back because you're trying to sell me some some uh, a bri- you know a bridge over over this river <laughs> over here whatever it is. Like a bridge <laughs> to <nowhere>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So that, and then the week before, a guy bridges sent me, right. a guy sent me an email, and like this was like his fourth or fifth email. Are you email satisfied chain. with your bridges? And and then this was this was how his email goes. He said, uh, "I've sent you four emails already. If you're not interested, please reply to this email and let me know and stop wasting my time, or else I'm just going to keep sending you emails." What? And so that really made me mad. Like mm. I'm required to respond to your uh sales email just because you're sending me an email like no buddy i'm not
0: if you do that in any other are
2: we
3: done no no (laughs) this is going so
0: well you have 15 more
2: seconds to make me laugh so what how do you respond to that guy i didn't respond oh the no response response optimal yeah i think it is probably the best way yeah is he
3: still emailing uh, I'm sure I'll probably send another one and I'll just delete <laughs> if he <misses> it. This is <laughs> this. Yeah, I'll just delete it. Yeah. Hey, buddy, if you're listening, I'm not buying what you're selling. <laughs> I'm riding bridge nowhere. The thing is, that attitude,
0: if you apply it in any other facet of society, it is a felony. It is like stalking, yeah. harassment, whatever.
3: That's what it is. It's entitled. They think they're entitled to a response just because they send you a message. You're not entitled to a response. Oh. Have you seen the have same you applies seen the for comedian... social media? If somebody sends you like a private message, I'm not you're not entitled to my response I'll respond if I want to but I'm sure it says seen already yeah yeah. yeah. I'm
0: glad you know that
3: so what like just because you sent me a message doesn't mean I have to respond now if it's somebody that I know I'm going to respond but if it's Mm. some random person I don't know you like I'm not required to respond to you have you seen the uh, the comedian that responds to the spam
1: emails? Yes. Mm-mm. Oh man, I gotta yes. send you that. It's fantastic. What's yeah. his name? It's the English guy. Yeah,
0: I don't know. He's done a TED talk on it. Yeah, that's it's, what I watch. Great. Yeah, it is pretty pretty crazy. So
2: this gets uh, I could have said this because for me, uh, what drives me crazy about that is the people assume they're the only person trying to reach you. Yeah. You're like, man. You're in the queue. You're like yeah. seventeen people deep. Mm-hmm. And you are expect like people send me that message? They're waiting on the three dots. It's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I reserve my three dots yeah. for people that matter, or people who got to me sooner. That's yeah. a
0: that's a t-shirt. I reserve my three dots for people who matter. <laughs> <laughs> that's Come on to Walmart, that's and right. hear you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I can get on board with that. Yeah. The pet the dog thing. I think I would have just blown through that barrier. I just. Did you pet the dog? No, you didn't pet well, the it, dog. The
0: thing is it like, I kept seeing dogs, you, so it was more you, like a you were society dog petting haunting.
2: shamed. That's
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> another another one on that is like if somebody messaged you and they don't, you don't respond to them in a timely manner, and they send you like, "Hey man, can I get an answer?" or Something like that. Like, "Yeah, yeah. I get to you when I get to you." <laughs> the,
2: the gif, you know, with oh, call one of the little back.
3: rascals. Yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh
0: yeah.
2: my! I'm going going not
3: back on back your, your call. Yeah, time yeah. Your emergency. It's not my problem. That's yeah. your problem, man, yeah.
1: dude. I, I don't know. I, I, I would have made it. Like I would have. Like I'm done with everything for the day. Now my mission is to waste this guy's time as much as I can. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going back and forth with him and keep trying to haggle with him. No, and, tell me more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. I think everybody is uh, either in their car exercising right? they're like. Yes! Yeah! It's yes, the start revolution!
0: Yeah. <laughs> or one guy out there is like, hey, that's me. Oh man, I thought Hunter really loved me. <laughs> <laughs> it really
2: did sound like it, he was like breaking up with you. Like no, Either like, respond or either we're respond, breaking up. No,
3: yeah, but. If you don't respond, then I'm just going to take it that you want me to keep sending you emails. Like, What, <laughs> what, if, I, I thinking is that? what if I'd have said that to Katie while we were dating?
1: <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Can I get a response in a timely manner please? If you don't respond,
0: I'm
2: just going to assume that we're getting
1: married. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep sending you emails.
2: <laughs>
0: That's amazing. All
2: right, top that, Chris.
0: Okay. Oh, hold on. I'm yeah, being a bad receptionist. Or, yeah, I'm, I'm sure gonna I'm gonna thing. venture to
2: say Chris is gonna use about 45 seconds of his three minutes, and we're all gonna agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like, so. Um, yeah. Get your recommends right. I'm am the voice of the people.
1: Three two, <laughs> three, two, one, go. Okay, so I think we can all agree there have been some great sports movies made in our time. Yes, we can agree. Yes, like absolutely.
2: Sports movies like Hoosiers. That would be great.
1: Yeah, I would put I would put Hoosiers up there. Uh, movies like uh, Tin Cup. Um, the Natural. Rookie of
0: the Year. Yeah, mo-
1: yeah, movies that are just... Yeah. Sand <laughs> the Sandlot. <laughs> the Sandlot,
0: actually. Have we done mo- this podcast before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, numerous times.
1: Well, movies okay. that are just outside of the sport itself are great movies. So, uh, but my biggest pet peeve is like nobody could ever make a great football movie. There were good ones. Very few good ones, in my opinion. A lot of really bad ones. But no, they. But like a, you, they never could really grasp the um, the drama and the intensity with football and match it with a great backstory. Mm. So you look at like remember the Titans, great backstory. The football part of it was it was so awful.
3: So you're talking about like the actual scenes of that football action on the field I'm talking
1: about healthy the whole balance. the whole picture yeah. the healthy balance so like you uh, the only one that came close
3: was Friday Night Lights yes. was the TV show the or Bob the movie Thorne. the movie the TV show the Friday Night Lights TV show actual football scenes are are laughable they were so bad. Oh yeah they were terrible. I mean it was just like
1: remember the Titans yeah
3: yeah <laughs> we're
1: facing the giants Ooh.
3: Different genre. Oh,
2: let's <laughs> not go
1: there. Yeah, yeah. Coyote. <laughs> well,
3: if you got Ryan Gosling playing football, then you know you're. It's not going to be high quality. Oh yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. So I mean, like
1: that, and like you know, you had you had some good comedy in there, like with the uh, with the replacements and um, necessary roughness. Thank you, Ben.
3: Which brings me to something else. something yeah. to get on my soapbox on. You no, know, it really grinds my <laughs> gears years. when I'm trying to get on my soapbox and somebody's pulling up videos on their phone. But but I mean, but really though, like, am I am I reaching when
1: I say that? Remember the Titans is like, if you were to take a poll, like, what's everybody's favorite football movie? You're pro- Remember the Titans is probably going to win. Running away. I don't think it was very good.
0: No, I I don't understand the hype of like why it is the movie that's shown. At the awards banquet every football season for everybody to
1: yeah, watch. Yeah, exactly.
0: I just, it blows my mind. Like it's a pretty decent movie, but hot dog.
3: I like Rudy better than Remember the Titans for a football movie. Yeah, Rudy just gets me every time when he goes out know. on the field. I start yeah. crying. I think like if you're, if you're gonna
1: make if you're gonna make like the ultimate football movie, you have like the backstory of Remember the Titans. You have like and the probably football
0: play of the little giants.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably probably the football play. Honestly, the football play of Varsity Blues. Oh, that was under, probably, underrated. Yeah. Honestly, that was probably the best one. And then you have like the actual acting drama, the quality of that from Friday Night Lights. That to me is the best. If you to take Friday Night Lights made a Netflix series, like the movie yes. made a Netflix series, you've got a great. You know, that's it. That's what all football movies ha- uh, hang their hat on. You know what they need.
0: There's more time. It's more time. Is quality control like former professional football players like to review the edits of the football? Yeah.
1: So, well, so like them? you had like yeah, like any given Sunday, they just way overdid it. Yeah, they they went to the line and then jumped way past. Yes. it.
2: <laughs> yes. It's a hard thing to get right. I, I can see. I can see the tension there. I get, but it, but it's you're able to do it with other baseball. sports. Baseball
0: is, like, it's got a slower pace. It's easier yeah, to just I guess make so. a home run Football happens, is like
3: really, that. like, it's an aggressive sport. And, like, you got to be in the moment to, like, really hit people hard. And yeah. it's going to be hard to get somebody to do that on camera. And fo- I would agree
0: soccer is probably maybe not just as hard, but it's up there in terms of hard hard to pull off. You know
2: what I think makes it, you're going to be able to correct me on this, Chase, but part of what makes it difficult is that first-person perspective with the camera. Like I hate
0: it. I hate the look through the helmet.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, can't, it, you can't get it right. But it's yeah. like, if you're the crack of the bat and then you see the ball coming into the outfield from that perspective, you're like, oh, man, what a beautiful shot. And right. then, bam, you're back to the action with the cut. If you do that in football, it's like, what, what is this, a GoPro? What's going on Exactly, here? yeah. yeah,
1: yeah so like I, I think uh, Oliver Stone did... Uh, did any given Sunday. And it's like he did a pretty good job of getting the football. The problem was, it was just too like scrambled. It was like mm-hmm. his yeah. battle, his war scenes were just all over the place. You didn't know what exactly you were looking at.
0: Honestly, what they should do is they should get NFL films to come in and try and do it and just get teams to play football.
3: Word. I think we're on to something here, boys. Mm. NFL films, now they make quality movies. Yes, they, they do. do. That they do.
0: Now, granted, they have real football games. <laughs> so do
2: we just like accidentally wander into recommends NFL
0: films? Sure. I wanted a freaking splurge of NFL films lately. Uh, lately, and I'll you know what? I'll go right in that Collect recommends. yourself. Because this is, I'm about to say a really bold statement, but someone has to say it. That's not from Boston. I really appreciate Tom Brady. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Every time I've brought it up over the past month that I've like really gotten into it, people are like, Yeah, I don't know. I just him and Belichick, blah, blah, blah. I was like, appreciate what is happening right yeah. now. It's true greatness. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's greatness be, on the
3: level that football has never seen. Maybe yeah. I don't know if any sport's ever seen. And it. It. Anybody anybody who hates on Tom Brady are doing it just because
1: it's cool to hate on Tom and Brady, he, right? Yeah. He
0: probably keeps beating your bills every year. <laughs> I feel sorry for those people. He's, He's not, not petting it. your dog, you know. <laughs> you know, <what> know? No, <laughs> he is not. <laughs> He's also what, like forty two, uh, something like that now. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, the NFL Films has a un unholy amount of Tom Brady, uh, uh videos to pull from on uh, YouTube, and every one of them is deserve watch, deserve watching. And after you're done with those, you should go watch Bill Belichick's because they're just as intriguing. Hmm. They're really good. Bill Belichick's the is great. Where do I yeah. find these? That's on
1: YouTube. 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 Yeah. Do, do it, uh, get on get on YouTube and just search a football life, and you just get Holy all boy, the movies a football okay. life. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Very
0: hmm. good. Yeah, I'm I'm have to take the dive. I've never seen these. You, you could I know nothing yeah, the, about the, cover two, cover three, blitzes, whatever. You will understand. How good he is, just from how well it's done. The
1: one, the one on, uh, the one on Bill Walsh is incredible. He's kind of mm. the, the father of modern day. Yeah. Modern that, is day. That when they, the,
0: the, the, the coaching tree.
1: Yes. Yeah, mm. that was a really
2: good video. Football life. All right, I'm, I'm sure Hunter's got a book or two. I do. <laughs> Look at that. Look <laughs> Whoa. at me. Look at me guessing. <laughs>
3: that, I, I'll recommend a football book. I read uh, Willie Morris. The Courting of Marcus Dupree. Everyone missed yeah. that
2: judging glance he gave, because I don't, I don't. I wasn't ben familiar. doesn't know who
3: Willie Morris is. Here, <laughs> as a there's Mississippian. Another, there's another t-shirt. Willie Morris is from the great <laughs> state of Mississippi, Yazoo City, and uh, he wrote uh, My Dog Skip, Good Old Boy, um, which they made My Dog Skip into a movie. Uh he spent a lot of time at my grandmother's store. He was really good friends with Didn't my grandfather, he... so that's pretty cool. I wish I no, would have no, no, John Grisham. I wish I would have mm-hmm. been, been able to meet him before he died, but anyways, he wrote this book about Marcus Dupree, which they made a 30 for 30 about him not too long ago if you guys have seen that. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. But Marcus Dupree was number 1 um, running back prospect or number 1 prospect in the country uh, out of Philadelphia. And it's just the whole story of his senior year and his recruiting process. And why. And it's really fascinating just because uh, I think Willie spent a whole lot of time in Philadelphia. He watched every single one of his games. He talked to all these people. So he had a lot of insider info about you know, people trying to give him money, give him cars, all this type of stuff, um, why he chose to go where he did, why it ended up not working out. He went to Oklahoma, and he had a really good – freshman year, and then he ended up um, moving back home um, midway through his sophomore year because he didn't get along with the coach. And then he joined the uh, – what was the other football league that was trying to compete with NFL? The, uh, the AFL, played he, for the New Orleans Breakers. Yeah he, yeah, he played for them for a couple years, and then he went uh, – then he blew his knee out, and then he joined the NFL back like when he was like 29 and played for a little while. But he was just an incredible athlete, like 230 pounds, 6'3", ran a 4'3", 40. Um, I Watch this. It's a good. 30. He was supposed Shitting to be like, this. you know, he was a couple years younger than Herschel Walker. He was supposed to be the next Herschel Walker. And then he just He's didn't pan out. taken advantage
2: of by a minister, right? Isn't that part yeah. of the story? A minister this, essentially to be
3: his agent and yeah. steals a lot of his money. A guy, yeah, so, yeah, a guy from Hattiesburg. So yeah. that wasn't in the book because the book was written um, mm-hmm. right after all that came out, all that happened. And then I think all this other stuff came out yeah. later on. But Yeah, um, the, the courting is just about his recruitment. Yeah, it? yeah. yeah. And, uh, but it was fascinating, and he talks a lot about just Mississippi in general and, like, our history of, like, prejudice and all that type of stuff and the history of Philadelphia, and there was, like, a, a hate crime that happened in Philadelphia in the 60s and so, and kind of how that shaped the town and, and everything. But it's fascinating. He mixes all this history in with, uh, with Marcus Dupree and, hmm. and kind of combines football and Mississippi. and so uh, I'm sold. It's really, really good. Hmm. Um, and Willie Morris is a really good writer, too. Yes, he is. Um, so I would highly recommend The Courting of Marcus Dupree where have I been who knows <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you didn't have to read his stuff in school
2: probably not really? or maybe or oh, your private don't... school but other not, than that was not a slight I did not read a book until college nice not one not a single book not even a picture book Cliff Notes that got me through all right, I actually have recommend. Am I? Am I any? You gotta recommend, it, Chris. I do, but you can go first. Okay, so this one, I think I may have recommended this podcast before. Masters of Scale. Have I talked about the, that on this
0: podcast? I, don't know. I think so.
2: Uh, but anyway, even if you ignored all that, I'm almost finished with an episode called "Make It Epic" with Will. I am. No way. Oh my gosh! I mean, just the way that this guy. Has lived and the way he's been able to take advantage and leverage situations,
0: it's unbelievable.
2: Well, I I
1: am
0: from Black Eyed Peas.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, the Black Eyed Peas. Most people would just assume that's who that guy is, but this guy's brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. And they go on this, this one episode goes on this long story about his connection with beats. With the headphones. Mm-hmm. And man, I mean, it's, it is like listening to a movie. It's that engaging. I mean, I, I found myself yesterday. I was sitting in a red light and it changed. I was the first guy in line. Never knew it. I mean, I'm just so. I, you're about
0: to put me back on my soapbox. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> I wasn't texting. I'm just so engaged with this story. And, and this business podcast did such a great job of telling this guy's story of his adult life it's uh it was released i think on october 30th yeah october 30th make it epic if you're searching for it on masters of scale oh my gosh if you if you're in charge of anything in your life that is at a it's at one place and you're looking for a way to make it better than it actually is it's worth your time cool there you go very good what was it again uh it is Masters of Scale. Masters of Scale. Great business podcast. This episode is called Make It Epic with Will I Am. reed Hoffman. Yeah, that's him. A uh, LinkedIn founder. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah, smart which dude. and he's venture capital. He's also connected to a good billion other businesses. But probably has that much money too.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Very smart too.
1: Well, uh, mine, um, I grew up a big fan of, uh, Jurassic Park and the Jurassic Park movies. I really the first two and then they, and then they just got (laughs) terrible from there. But, uh, I finally, I had started it several times before and then I finally decided that this year I was going to finish it. I finally read Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park and so, so much better, so much better than the movie, so much more, uh, so much more entertaining and, uh, gripping and, uh, the really really interesting as far as uh, the conflict that it presents between um, scientific advancements and its effect on uh, its effect on uh, on people and uh, the ecosystem and you know you know how much uh, kind of presenting this picture of you know is all this technology technological advancement really good for us like how far is too far. Really, really interesting. Like I, I found myself kind of really thinking about that more than the dinosaurs itself. So. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, great stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: I just uh, heard someone talk about how they've developed technology where they can just look at your face you know, via recording and with a very high percentage um, predict your mental state, your emotional state, both of those things, just through looking at, at a few seconds of video. Yeah, they're teaching the AI to do what we do in reading facial expressions. I mean, can you imagine how dangerous that would be? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of, I, I would never be able to go into a retailer again. <laughs> they're walking like this guy's already tense. You know what I mean? So yeah, okay, that's, it, that's, that's it's that getting it's getting close.
1: It's like like you're kind of seeing the whole like Minority Report thing on the horizon. <laughs>
2: oh man, I thought that was a really interesting movie. Yeah, I, it was I,
1: very interesting. Actually, yeah, I enjoyed. Yeah. I mean. It was based off a of book, too, I'm
3: pretty sure. I think not a great football movie.
1: No, not a great yeah. football movie, no. <laughs> Did they play football enough? Tom
3: Cruise does a lot of movies like that where it's kind of like out there, futuristic. Mm,
2: yeah, yeah. He had another one where his face was all weird. I don't recommend that one. But, uh, oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, no. Not at all. <laughs> Most Tom Cruise movies, except for the uh, the Mission Impossible where they jump out of the plane. That's uh, what's this the
1: one movie. where he's running? Yeah. He was running from something in that one time in that and one movie. What's that yeah. one where he's on a motorcycle yeah. and he has a mask? <laughs> yeah. You know? The
3: one where he keeps replaying the same day over and over again. That was pretty cool. Jumper. Uh tomorrow something. I can't remember. You know when he's in the war and he dies and he replays the day over and over and over again. Oh yeah, I never saw that. I never saw it. that either. I, I, saw, saw, I, saw, I saw, saw trailers for y'all it. Y'all need to watch that one. one. It was good. Oh, yeah, I'm it was. Oh. my afternoon. I, I he t- dies like a thousand times and he's reliving <laughs> over and over and over. Again. I remember that. Yeah. I,
1: t- I tell you this too with Tom Cruise though, like th- those Mission Impossible movies, they still like hold up. To, hold to, up. to Yeah, that they hold. Well, they hold up to what they're supposed to do, and that's just entertaining. Which one
0: was the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Three, I think. Three, yeah, that was yeah. it. I, mm-hmm. I think that may be one of the best ones. The first one, I, I just love the first one. That guy. I watched
1: makes the, everything better. I watched a the ghost. Awesome. Makes oh, every oh movie gosh. I watched Ghost Protocol on a on a plane uh, coming back from San Diego. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Wait, That's there's so good.
3: a seven Mission
0: Impossible's?
1: Yeah, it's a lot.
2: Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, he we we discovered he owns the franchise now, right? Uh,
0: something oh, like that. were a producer or something yeah. along those lines. Crazy.
2: So well, this seems like a good place to end.
3: Sure. Right there. Yeah, do it right. Hit the button. The movie's called Tomorrowland.